Hi, my name is John Garfield. It's uh, May 31st, 2016. <clears throat> this week I want to talk to you about, uh, just sort of summarize what happened uh, while we were in Poland. And um, I'm trying to capture the, the message, if you will. There are several links to like the slides and some background information on uh, releasingkings.com. If you go to the conference page, it's right up at the top. So um, all kinds of resources related to this message. It was really exciting. We talked to probably, you know, a dozen people spending an hour or two with each and also uh, did a workshop and uh, three, three church services. One was a cell group for businessmen. So it was a great trip and as the 10 days went on, this message became clearer and clearer to me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just trying to sh capture it and, and share it with it. I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's sort of a marriage of intercession and um, heart's desire. Um, so it's about two voices. The, the, one of the keys to the kingdom is centered around becoming comfortable with our God-given identity. There's an authenticity and an authority that comes when we can connect with the desire that God wrote in our heart. Instead of trying to disciple ourselves to rise up to some external expectation, we actually relax and find the grace of God over our lives and simply walk it out as ourselves. <laughs> and we, we love ourselves, we love other people, and we love God much more when we turn this corner and, and actually operate from the inside out instead of by, by some externally driven standard. It's a childlike innocence and simplicity that's willing to ask for the desires that God wrote in our heart. Most of us have trouble with that. Listen to Matthew 18.3. I tell you the truth, unless you change and become as a little, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. So that's one of the hallmarks of kingdom is that we operate from the desires of our own heart. It exactly overlaps with the desires of God's heart. So this is not some strange doctrine. It's very biblical, but um, it's, a, it's a, the difference between Christianity and religion, if I can put it that way. So let me introduce you to this concept of uh, a book. The second amazing discovery is that the desires of our heart and God's heart are connected to a destiny. In other words, those desires lead to, to a higher purpose that we may know or not know about. God knew us before we were born, and each of us have an important role to play in the kingdom, and it's been written in a book. <laughs> Once we know it exists, like little children, we can ask our Father to show it to us. Our life's vocation and ministry purpose are intertwined in a way that gives our hearts a direction and a reason for life. Knowing what's in our book carries the sense of having God's wind fill our sails with power, purpose, and the adventure of kingdom. Everything fits a pattern for good, it's Romans 8.28. Not knowing feels like a ship without a rudder. We're constantly double-minded and unstable, James 1 verse 8. Now listen to uh, Psalm 139 starting in verse 13. You, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place... When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Okay, so uh, and that's before one of them came to be. All the days are all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So we each have a book um, with 
that contains sort of our destiny in it. I don't believe in predestination, but I believe if we understand something about our destiny, we can contend for it and, and war for it and make it happen. And uh, the, lots of people don't know that. In fact, the word church means ecclesia, and that word in the Greek means called out ones. Those the very idea of being a member of the body of Christ or the church means that we know something about our calling and we're simply pursuing it. That's what being a Christian is all about, or being in the kingdom is all about. <clears throat> Books of destiny and purpose are also written for churches, businesses, cities, and nations. In other words, there are levels of purpose behind institutions, churches, nations, etc. Um, so when we touched on the destiny of Poland in words or in intercession, uh, it was electric. There, there was just a huge anointing on pointing to uh, what it means to be Polish, what, what the call of God is on the nation, and what the call of God was on individuals. Very, very prophetic and very anointed. So um, let's talk about two voices. So our lives carry kingdom purpose that's written in our book, Psalm 139. We just read it. That destiny is not irrevocable predestination. We have to know it, choose it, and fight for it. Jesus is always speaking to the Father in our defense. Look, take the time to read 1 John 2, verse 1. And he's constantly in intercession on our behalf, Hebrews 7.25. So if you listen with your heart, you can hear the voice of his encouragement pulling us toward our destiny and our kingdom role. His testimony about us is very prophetic and very powerful and available to give for us to give it a voice and to implement it in our lives to bless people and nations. And that's the idea of being glorified or, or being connected is very much intertwined with becoming ourselves and simply fulfilling the, what, the destiny that's written in each of our books. It's very important. Listen to uh, Revelations 19, verse 9. Blessed are those who, invited, who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Get the idea? This kingdom thing is a party. Don't forget that. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And he added, these <clears throat> are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said, Do not do it, for I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Now this is somebody, I don't think it's an angel, but it's somebody who's holding the testimony of Jesus. And then he says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So this idea that uh, Jesus is, is testifying or speaking about our destiny, praying for it, uh, is prophetic, and we can hear that voice pulling us toward our destiny. We can hear the encouragement of it, the edification of it. So there's a second voice uh, we can all hear, and it's from the enemy, those who aim to steal, steal and discredit the desires that God wrote in our hearts. We've all heard this voice. It's simply an articulation of why we are not qualified to possess our destiny. In a condemning way, it points to our failures and discredits our call and role in the kingdom. It nearly always contains, this is important, it nearly always contains enough truth to create doubt in our hearts about our worthiness to receive our dream and our role in the kingdom. When we hear this voice, we feel guilt, I made a mistake, or we feel shame, I am a mistake, <laughs> and we feel condemned to a life of mediocrity and sort of a rejection from God's greatest purpose or greatest goal for our lives. So um, how do we respond to those accusations? That's the question. We've all heard them. We've also heard the testimony of Jesus. We've heard the positive and we've heard the negative. It's like there's those two voices that prophetically 
we all hear. So we have all been the target of these condemning accusations. Their strength is always rooted in the shame of our shortcomings. And we all have shortcomings or dysfunctions. Amen? <laughs> it's very much like a courtroom setting. Satan is the accuser. Jesus is our defense. And our Father is the judge. Our strategy is very simple. Instead of arguing or resisting, we are agreeing with the accusation and covering it with the blood of the Lamb. Repentance and forgiveness. Uh, and then we're restating Jesus' testimony over our lives. This time, it's our own testimony about ourselves. In other words, we're prophesying toward the destiny that's written in our book about our own lives. That's what's coming out of our mouths. Now, we can choose to speak against our own lives or the lives of others. All we're doing is repeating the accusations of the accuser. Not healthy. <laughs> so, uh, let me talk to you about the... Um, the ramifications. Here's the biggest one, loving people. The, the biggest and most liberating aspect of knowing what to do with these two voices isn't just in our personal lives. It dramatically changes how we view other people. Instead of seeing people in terms of their problems, dysfunctions, sins, and offenses, and trying to correct them through a lens of condemnation, or sort of being a pastoral policeman where we're trying to fix people all the time, I'm simply seeing and speaking Jesus' testimony over their lives. I'm pulling them into their destiny, and I'm allowing them to fix their own problems. Um, my heart now has a great reason to love and respect people, regardless of their condition. Um, and I can hear Jesus' voice over their lives, and I can verbalize it and help pull them into their destiny in a powerful and prophetically encouraging way. When we connect with what God has written in our hearts and can really become ourselves, all the dysfunctional baggage falls off without weeks and months of counsel or therapy. Okay, that's one of the great keys to the kingdom. Um, so listen to Hebrews 12, verse 2 and 3. Um, we, we're, we're all resolved to change when we, from the inside out when we get a picture of the joy that's set before us. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Uh, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He, um, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's what, that's what causes us to persevere to our own destiny, to see it, to to. Uh, see the joy that's set before us, see the, the, uh, the reward, the glorification, the, the, the sense of being connected and, and successful uh, in what God has called, it to do, called us to do. Let me mention this one thing uh, about prophetic witchcraft. Opinions and counsel that articulate the voice of the accuser are also prophetic in nature, and it's a form of witchcraft that holds people in their sin. There is a spirit behind the words, okay? The true prophetic is always the testimony of Jesus about that person. It always pulls them toward their calling and kingdom, which is always very positive, uplifting, and prophetically power. It gives their hearts a reason, to, if it's necessary, to repent and change, but it points them in the right direction toward Jesus and toward their own destiny. It may lead them through repentance and change, but the motivation for that is their bright future, not our critical spirit or the laundry list of their shortcomings, okay? The same is true for nations. This is what's really exciting to me. M much can be criticized uh, about our government, our leaders, 
but transformation comes to the door of seeing what's written in any nation's book. We were in Poland. And, and giving voice to the testimony of Jesus about that nation or about that person or about that city or about that business. The result is powerful intercession and amazing prophetic resonance with the people of God. And um, so I just want to encourage you, let your mouth uh, mirror the testimony of Jesus, not the accusation of the enemy. Covenant with God to uh, speak prophetically. That's your calling. And it's very, very powerful. Amen. Have a great week. God bless.